Welcome to Decapod, where every week we're looking at different parts of different decades, and we are currently covering the 1990s. And today we are looking at Keanu Reeves in the 1990s and all these wonderful, magnificent films and variations of Korea. As always, it is not just me. I am joined by the epic Emmy Morgan, am I calling you right now? I forgot where we are. Yeah, I mean, technically Emma, but um, I'll answer to Emmy. I'll answer. I mean, you were going to use smut bag, so um, <laughs> I oh. missed your opportunity. I mean, thanks for reminding me, slot bug. That's fine. It's fine. It's good. It's gone out into the interwebs now. That'll be me, Emma Slutbag Morgan. Well done for assigning yourself. That's fine. With... <laughs> I mean, whatever floats your boat. Yeah. If if you're interested in Emma Morgan's Slutbag Adventures, <laughs> you can follow her on TikTok. What's your TikTok handle? Uh, well, well, it's at the crazy X, which yeah. feels quite fitting as well at times. Uh, it's supposed to be an ironic name. No one seems to get that. How's your Christmas going, Emma? Um, it's pretty non-existent so far. Um, I have bought two Christmas presents <laughs> so far out of the sort of 90 or so that I want to buy but I'm going to change that tomorrow so basically finished up for work today which was which was really nice um had a nice kind of last team call and last weekend I took my son on the Polar Express which was just the most merry of merry events that I think I've ever been on and everybody should go on it even if you don't have kids and things because it's just wonderful and I cried and cried and cried tears of joy I mean, my takeaway from that is if you don't have kids and things, <laughs> I don't want to know what the things are. Well, I don't know. This is what happens, right? When you ask me a question I'm not expecting, I kind of panic and just talk and I hope that I can stop before I say something like that. That very rarely happens. And you always pick up on the little nugget. <laughs> There's a reason why I ask these questions that are unplanned and unprepared for. Because um, I panic. Well, I think my one of my goals for this podcast, and I'll kind of it seems appropriate to say this now as we come to the end of the year, the end of, of 2021. One of my goals for this podcast is to make it and break all the podcast rules. So whilst we're coming on to talk about films, I will ask you about Christmas and you will tell me about the Polar Express and we will plug your slot bag adventures. Um, you yeah. should definitely change your handle, by the way, to that, um, to slot bag. But either way, um, and I recently saw uh, a tweet, and it's apparently backed up by evidence, that the optimum length time for a podcast is 22 minutes. Oh, well, they're, well, yeah, that's interesting. There have oh, been times the... we've done an hour and 22 minutes. Yeah, and that would be a short episode. Yep. Wow. Oh, wow. It's like our, do? our intros before we actually start talking about the thing we're talking about often last longer than 22 minutes. Yeah. We're breaking all the podcast rules and we are still being the mighty behemoth that is Decapod. We are. I don't know what to say. That's thrown me. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Um, yeah, so well, well, let's dive in then. Let's talk about Keanu Reeves. So before we get into the year by year, uh, in, in sort of exact, we're doing something similar we did for Robbie the other year, uh, just going step by step for each year, looking at his different films, different parts of his career. But before we get into that, what are your overall, overall thoughts on Keanu? Ke I will be recalling him for Keanu. 
for the sake of this Keanu, episode. Right, Keanu okay. Reeves. I can't um, do the Keanu. Why didn't you want to talk about your Christmas? Why did I only have to talk about mine? You didn't ask me about mine. I didn't get chance. You said I don't know what else to say. <laughs> so I thought, okay, let's move on then. <laughs> no, but I thought there was going to be a pause afterwards where I could go, and how about your Christmas preparation, Terry? Oh, well, it's been all right. I kissed a lobster today. Uh-huh. Yeah, the new tradition. Yeah, I finally I got my tradition. tree up. Uh, what day is it today? The 16th, 17th. Uh, I finally got the, the tree up today. Yeah. Uh, it's been a bit hectic, but you know, is what it is. Yeah, there's a no, tree up. Tree's up, some lights on it. I've not watched any Christmas films yet. I've watched the Polar Express. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch it while you were on the Polar Express? No, you feel like you're in the film, though, um, when you're on the Polar Express. And uh, yeah, we watched it last night. And it's got to be like the latest in the year we've ever watched that film. It's, it was very bizarre, but it was nice to watch it again. No, I haven't watched any Christmas films yet. I've still got a lot of other stuff to catch up on, but uh, I might have to limit it to a couple. I'm definitely going to watch Black Christmas, and I might do Home and Alone and Gremlins as well. I might make them my Christmas trio. Yeah, good plan. Um, I will have to watch It's a Wonderful Life because I have to watch that, and I haven't really thought. Probably because I'm going to my parents, we'll probably watch Santa Claus the movie because um, my dad will want to bring another generation in with that film but yeah i'm the same i've not watched apart from um tpe um i've not watched any <laughs> so i really abusing myself what by using the initials tpe yeah why yeah. is that amused you i don't know i'm a bit giddy tonight i had my booster jab yesterday <laughs> uh, okay. and it has actually boosted you Interesting. Well, I mean, I, I've now watched the greatest Christmas film of all time, which isn't a Christmas film. It was just released at Christmas, which was Spider-Man. Oh, okay. Oh, so, no, not another one. Not another defi- one. Definitely not a Christmas film, but it was released at Christmas for the purpose of this year. It is a Christmas film for this year alone. And, oh. and for those of you listening, I think that the, the online review that I gave it was Spider-Man is better than boobs. Yeah. So there you go. That's high praise indeed. Yes. Is right. What Keanu? Overall thoughts on Keanu? Ke- oh God! <laughs> on Kr? Yes. I'm just going to call him Keen. I think. K Dog on K Dog on uh, K Dog. Oh, I hope you don't listen and take offence at that. K Dog is calling K Dog. Yeah, that but adding dog to someone's name is one of my ultimate terms of affection. You know this, T Dog. <laughs> when uh, when my stepson wants some, I used to make him say, "Ask me as T Dog." Say please, T Dog, and I can have it. And <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, <laughs> right, well, K Dog. Um, my thoughts on him, and particularly going back and revisiting these '90s films, he was a was is a stunning, stunning person. He's just beautiful. There is a deepness in his eyes that nobody else could even match. And it doesn't really matter, does it, if the boy can act or not, because he's just stunning. I just want to appreciate that, that he is absolutely stunning. I I didn't catch what he was. Sorry. (laughs) Stunning. All right. I, I just want to give him a hug. 
Yeah. It's just uh, this person I see. A naked one. Sorry. No, I'm not inclined (laughs) that way with Keanu Reeves. No, I meant I want to give him a naked one. Yes, clearly. Special care. I'm not inclined that way. He's the sort of person that if I went to the pub with, he would get a hug when we were leaving the pub. I'm doing my rhyming again. Bit of rhyming for you. Special K. Special K. Oh, gosh. Oh, we've peaked. That's it. Wrap the episode up. (laughs) We'll never do better than Special K. That's brilliant. Well, I mean, I'm quite chuffed that you think that my comedy attempts are that good. But if that's peaking, (laughs) I'm slightly (laughs) concerned. What I am going to ask you about is films throughout the 90s. Well, not even ask you. It's more of a statement. He did some batshit crazy films. Yeah, man. There's some um, really, really, really weird films here. Yeah. And really bad films. And really good. It's like everything. There is a full <laughs> spectrum on here of kind of standard obvious films, batshit crazy films, films that are shit, films that are awesome, films that he was really crap acting in, films that he was really good at acting in. There is a full spectrum of everything film-wise, from Keanu Reeves in the 90s. Yeah. Um, and I I don't know, though, like the bad films, I don't remember. He, he always had this reputation of being a wooden actor. But I there was a couple where I was like, oh, my gosh, this like, these had passed me by, and it's like, wow. But you just got to love him. You just got to love that resilience. He just kept showing up. And he rightfully has now got his place in Hollywood kind of history. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I can't wait to start diving into them, to be honest. Well, I'm going to make you wait because um, <laughs> I think that it's it's like you just said, then you keep showing up. So it's with anything we were talking before we, we started recording, you know, you keep, you got to keep persevering. And it feels like that's what he did. He kept showing up to, to these, these films that, that weren't, massive blockbusters really just kept showing up kept showing up kept showing up and eventually he gets that that one right at the end at night which will come which is the matrix it's like bang then he's made i mean he had some good films before that obviously but it's like bang that's the one that that really made him but i find that with his films he gets better as the film goes along i think that his acting gets better it's almost like he settles in it's as if they've recorded the entire film in one day and when they started recording, they didn't know how to do it. And then the end of the film, he's actually got to his R8. I think a lot of the film is acting just gets better. Yeah, and I feel like the, it's probably a rarity where when it's a Keanu Reeves film, they actually film it in sequence as well. So, like, <laughs> normally they do it just in whatever order, but it, because he can't comprehend, like, what what do you mean? This hasn't happened yet. <laughs> like, oh, bless him. I've, I've now got that image in my brain. <laughs> the the <laughs> film I'm out of order and Keanu's like, what? Uh? Um, okay, so Hikano clearly wasn't born in the 90s, but I did mm. find this out on this. I did not know this. He was born in Beirut. Oh, so this is right. So this is really interesting because um, so he was born in Beirut, but he's got family from England, but he lived in Hawaii, I believe. Raised in Toronto. His name is Hawaiian. Ah. Uh, and his name means cool breeze. Oh, oh, bless. And no mention of the English family. 
Uh, I may have. It just wouldn't have interested me if I'd say. Uh, it's just I get lots of clips from um, the chat show and the Graham Norton chat show, and that was one that came up um, was him talking about having English heritage. I mean, I would believe him over me on this. <laughs> um, I, I would, I would vouch for that that he's probably got some English family somewhere then. But yeah, cool, cool breeze, which is quite a cool name. Um, my name it means uh, polished stone. What is it? Mine means universal. I mean, that could be interpreted a few ways. <laughs> Either way. Okay, so let's have a look. Because in 1990, Keanu, uh, oh God, Keanu, Keanu. How do you actually pronounce his name? Keanu. All right, okay. Keanu Reeves um, made two films. In 1990, which was I Love You to Death and Tune In Tomorrow. Now, I could not find any of these films anywhere to watch, so these haven't been watched by me. So I'm going to throw over to you to run through these two films and tell us what they're all about. Well, I would love to do that, Terry, but I have seen neither of them. Awesome. Well, that's 1990 <laughs> covered. Um, but he also uh, starred, oh, yeah, starred, I don't know what word you'd use. He was in the Paula Abdul music video, Rush Rush. Oh, wow. What else? A cat? A cat? Well, yeah, that's that famous Paula Abdul video where she dances with a cartoon cat. Oh. No, it was, uh, I can't remember the film, but it was a take on a James Dean film when he kind of played the James Dean character. Oh, I think I might just make a note of that. <laughs> well, it's his usual smolder himself with his dark exactly. eyes. But yeah, not the two biggest films of Keanu's career. Um Yes, that was Keanu in 1990. <laughs> However, we then move on to 1991, and I think this is where it picks up in 1991, because the three films from 1991 were Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, My Own Private Idaho, and Point Break. Oh, I don't know why I had it in my head Point Break was later, but um, okay, and ding, 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 I've seen all three. Well, actually, no, I've seen 2.3 of them, because... One of them I had to abandon. <laughs> well, well, let's start off with Bill and Ted. I think that one yeah. came out first. So Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. It was a sequel. Yes. Um, talk, to about, talk to me about Bill and Ted. What I really liked about the sequel is, because obviously it was one of those where, particularly with comedies, when you bring the original out of a comedy, go either way. It's either going to get nothing or even if it's really successful, comedies don't do as well, box office-wise. So that whole idea about getting a sequel, they wouldn't have known that because the actors weren't known and things like that. And they seemed to just really have fun with the stuff that they could base from the first film. So they did all the work in the first film about time travel, about how they kind of use loopholes and things like that. Um, and yeah, and then just seem to just have a little bit more fun in Bogus Journey. And I have to acknowledge the best character in Bogus Journey is Death. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. I think my when I watched it, I'm not sure I've watched this film before, you know. I think when we covered it on, on uh, 1991 episode, I think I had it in my list then because I was sure I'd watched it. And I watched it back for this. It's like, I do not remember it at all. So I don't know whether I've watched it previously and completely forgotten or, or where I'd never seen it. But I think that watching it, the first half hour, I didn't enjoy. It felt just a bit 
I'm gonna say silly, but I know it's meant to be silly, but I didn't it didn't resonate with me. I didn't find it funny, but it's like half an hour in, they then settled down, they found the stride. Again, typical Keanu Reeves as I watch it, the <laughs> then starts getting better. Because uh, maybe it's just you get used to him by that point. You get used <laughs> to his acting because it feels like he's not acting when he's playing that kind of dope. It feels yeah. like that's just it just talking. Um, but yeah, just a, a really fun film. And, uh, you know, right through to the end with the, the concert scene at the end where they're all... Uh, actually, my favourite bit of the film is probably the bit at the end where they're doing all the um, the newspaper headlines. I think it's all the closing mm-hmm. credits, and like you say about death, there it's the one where uh, death leaves the band, and then his solo career <laughs> fails, and he comes back. That brilliant, but yeah, it was a, a good film. Really enjoyed it, and it, I think that's one of the roles that really suited him. So I would say that that's again, I don't know if it's acting or him being himself. It's hard to tell, but I think that it's a role that suited him, and that's one where I say he played that role well. Yeah, I completely agree. I would say it's 100% because he's not having to act. Um, but hey, does that matter? No, it doesn't. Not at all. Did you prefer that or did you prefer Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Um, I th- uh, I probably prefer Excellent Adventure, but only because that was the one I had on video. Um, and I just think there is, because that's the same thing as like I prefer Home Alone 2 because I had that in video as a kid. It's just that weird thing. It was the one I owned over it. But um, like Excellent Adventure has got the best sort of premise. They're doing a history report. They need to go back in time, back in time and collect historical figures. It's, that's a really good, strong premise for a film based on time travel. And actually, do you know what I like about that one as well is all the lookalikes are really good lookalikes. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, as far as we know, you know some of them we don't have pictures of. <laughs> but uh, it's like Def. To me, Def is a really good look like of Def. Yeah. You know, that's a supposition. I've never seen him. Yeah. Or her. Isn't it weird, right? That we get the whole thing about is God man, is God woman, is he whatever? And it's like, well, but then you never have that argument about Def. We just assume yeah. that Def is male. Yeah. And I would fully agree. Yeah. There we go. Uh, for me, I, I'm i not sure which one I preferred. I think I found this one funnier. I think I laughed more at this yeah. one. I probably enjoyed the first one more, but found this one funnier, so it's just a different balance there. Um, but, yes, yeah, so that was Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. The other film from the 90s that will come on to first will be Point Break. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll leave uh, my own private idaho because uh, that's the one that you watched, not Point Three. Oh, not point three, 30% off. Um, so Point Break, had you seen this film before? No, I hadn't, but it had always bugged me that I hadn't seen it because I I knew from other people that seen it that it was a decent film. So I knew that this one was worth watching for this because a lot of people say it's a good film. It's directed by um, Catherine Bigelow, um, also known as James Cameron's now ex-wife. And and pretty much known as a good director is my point for sort of bringing that in. So Parkman was like, she probably did a good job helping get the best out of him. Um, but yeah, not seen it before, but had high hopes because I'd heard it was good. And were those high hopes matched? Pretty much, yeah. I had to watch it in three parts. Um, but I think some of that is more on I don't have much of an attention span anymore. 
Um, so, and yeah, it was a pretty good thriller. I think some of the problem with watching some of those kinds of films from the 90s is I bet if you watched it when it came out, it felt like a really cool, different kind of story. But I think where we're at with cinema now, we have seen so many of the same type. And particularly, I think of um, where we got to with, um, is it Phone Booth with Colin Farrell? That now is what we would see as clever. So that makes Point Break look quite dated because it's still basically bank heists and things like that. I, I get what you're saying, but I think that for me, um, I can separate that quite well. It's like I know what type of film it is, so therefore I can yeah. sit back and accept it as that type of film. Um, and I, again, I'd not seen it previously and really enjoyed it. Uh, I loved the the cheese of it. I think that Keanu Reeves is excellent in it. I yeah. think that he actually acts in it. And uh, is it Patrick Swiss in it? which I didn't realise until I watched it. Uh, And I just thought it was a a really good premise. There's a couple of things, a couple of times it took me out of the film, some of the skydiving stuff. It's like, I'm just going to jump out of a parachute and hope I get to them. You know, it's like... Yeah, and it's the first time he's jumped out of a plane. Yeah. First time he's jumped out of a plane, but could fight. I mean, because you must have to be so skilled to get to, to grow up to hold hands like that. Yes, I, I did have a bit of an issue with that. Um, sorry, anybody like listening on headphones, I'm so sorry at how loud my <laughs> yes was then. Well, it's also that thing. That's where the... Um, I, I am going to just shout now. We are going to go through a few spoilers as we go through these. So if you get to a film you haven't seen, feel free to skip. But, you know, we are talking about films at the minute from 1991. Um, but, yeah, when they, they find out he's an undercover cop. Yeah. And the thing they do is they take him skydiving. Like... That seems really weird to me. If I was a, a gangster, a surfer gangster, <laughs> yeah. part of the, the surf massive, then, and I found out that someone had infiltrated me, I don't think I'd take him skydiving. I don't think that's my first protocol. Well, I thought what I did think was good about that scene, though, was when he went, Who pad, who pad my parachute? Like, <laughs> like as if to go, I, I ain't jumping out of this plane, kids, because uh, my parachute ain't going. And then when they do that whole chicken thing about let the, let the shoot go, let the shoot go, no, you let yours go. That's quite intense. The thing that I noted about this, though, and bearing in mind, I watched this after I'd watched a truly terrible one of his films, which I know will get mentioned later, so we're not going to say what it was. I noted that the cast around him are all really good. So you've got Patrick Swayze, but you've also got John C. McGinley, who's um, Dr. Cox from Scrubs, who I bloody love. I think he's a brilliant actor. And then you've got, um, is it Gary Boosie? Is, is it Gary Boosie, who plays the guy who's his partner, the older guy who's his partner, I think it's Gary Boosie. Um, he's really good in it. And um, the token woman, obviously Patrick Swayze is really good. The token woman whose only like requirement for the film is to bring him into the gang using a wetsuit. And then also, obviously, she's then the, the thing that causes him to sort of go along with stuff because obviously she goes into danger. That wasn't frustrating to watch at all. <laughs> So literally one woman. Um, 
but they're all really good actors and I think that helps him up his game and I think that's another reason why he's good but that's why I mentioned Catherine Bigelow I think she's a good director and I and I think when he's got good guidance there's good performances in him and Point Break proves it and it's interesting that Point Break is so early because you'd argue that it should only be sort of becoming like 98 when he's done all these other films but he had that talent early on. Sorry, that was a bit of a monologue. Didn't mean it to be. Nothing wrong with a monologue. I love a good monologue, <laughs> as you're aware. I think you make some good points. An interesting one about the female in the film there, because I think that watching all these films from the 90s now, that's that's what it is. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's obviously changing now. It's not quite as, as equal as we want it, you know, as we've discussed previously. If, if there happens to be a Jane Bond, then all the male will go on a massive killing spree, all the males <laughs> in the world, because we need these male role models and they can't be replaced with females. Look what happened when there was a female Doctor Who, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, when I look back on these films, I think this is when we've spoke about people being problematic before. I think this is where I can separate a bit. I can look back and I can look and think, I accept that's what happened then. So I can watch this film. However, I don't want to see more films made like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit like I... you were saying about the, the type of film it is. And now you said like the phone booth was a the clever example. And this is a bit, it's been the well-trodden path now. I don't want to see more of these films. So yeah, I think it's an interesting point. Yeah. Um, the other things I noted was how slow surfers fight. Like there was like... Kachunk, kachunk, <laughs> like that. And I was like, why are they fighting so slow? Like, that's weird. And I did just find it bizarre that they've just got a plane. <laughs> it's just, I get that they've robbed a lot of money, but they're also using that money to sort of finance their lifestyle. So, just the fact that they've just got access to a plane whenever they want to um, kind of blew my mind a bit. Um, yeah, but. I think I would suggest people go and make sure they've seen it. I I do think it is a good film worth watching. Agreed. And just before we talk about the the next film, um, <laughs> you're so excited I, for the next. Film. Yeah, I um I've spoke about this on the show before. There's a wonderful app that you can get for your phone called Letterboxd. Uh, it doesn't have an O in it. It does R and E. I think it's letter B X D or something like that. Uh, but it's a brilliant thing for for reviewing your own films and keeping track of what films you've watched and you know, creating lists of films. So as we go through the 90s, I'll be adding the Decapod lists on and stuff like that. Um, so I, whenever I watch a film, I go and log it and I score it out of 10. These three films, Bill and Ted's <laughs> Bogus Journey, Point Break, and My Own Private Idaho, I give eight out of 10 to each film. Even, right, okay, so we definitely need to talk about eight. Mind you, I, you didn't abandon um the third one so maybe i was hasty it it i don't know i don't because i think you said you got about half an hour into it yeah uh, my own private idaho i don't think it took me that long but the first maybe 15 20 minutes i, I was very confused i wasn't sure what was going on uh, and to be fair i'm still not 100 sure what went on in the <laughs> film but when you i know that you obviously stopped watching it because i'm guessing you weren't enjoying it yeah so I think the problem for me is is I do have to do some of my research while I'm at work. So I, um, that sounds really bad, doesn't it? That's, and, but that does tend to mean the stuff playing on my phone while I'm sort of doing stuff on my computer. And this one, I struggled to get 
this one, but I could get it on a on a thing that was free, but it played adverts every like five minutes. So it wasn't just the subject matter where I was getting a bit like, I don't really know what's going on. It was also getting interrupted all the time. So it was really hard to sort of get a grasp of what was going on. You might, if you've given it eight out of 10, that might be enough to intrigue me to maybe go back and finish it. But I want to hear what you say first before I commit to that. Well, I'll give you my thoughts in a second, but I would just say I'm slightly concerned. I'm hoping that no one from your work listens to this. But no, it's not like I'm sat watching a film when I should be working. It's it's for me, I've had discussions with people about this before. When I used to do my homework at school, I used to have the TV on and I used to be concentrating on my homework. It's almost like I, I can multitask amazingly so I can take in enough of the film to know what's going on. But I'm doing my work. I will make that really clear. It isn't that I'm sat at home watching films. I am working with a film on in the same way I would play music or a podcast such as this one. Um, yeah, I can't. Well, no, that's not true. I can multitask and watch stuff, but I miss stuff. And I genuinely find that if I pick my phone up during a film, that's a bad sign. That's that's always and I know obviously I'm not working on doing that, but that's and I can't watch films while I'm working for obvious reasons. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Driving isn't ideal for that. Um, but yeah, I mean my my thing with my own private Idaho is I'm still not 100 percent sure what was going on. But I adored the film. I found it a real there was like I said, it was confusing in place, it was it was very odd. But I found the premise of the film just really lovely. I mean, it's essentially gay porn, is what the film is. It has the best sex scenes from any film I've ever seen, and I'll come back to them in a second. Did you get as far as any of the, the sex scenes? No, I think where I gave up was when um, he, when, because let's also call that it's got River Phoenix in it, which yep. is just like, and that initially I was like, oh my gosh, River Phoenix, love River Phoenix. So I was like, I was excited for him to be in it. So I left the film not long after we went to a guy's house and he needed to clean the house. And that made the man very happy when he was cleaning his house for him. Yes, it was, it's male prostitutes and they're basically the journey of life, essentially. There's more to it than that. I'm not going to go too much into the, the spoiler details, but. That's the basic premise of it. And I just found it a really, really genuinely beautiful film. It was like I did, it, it kept going in ways I did not expect it to go. And any film that does that, I just found really engaging from the start. And it was weird because it'll just start getting a little bit too confusing. I'll just start getting a little bit almost on the edge of boring and then just take another detour. It's like, oh, cool. Let's put my attention again. And it was like peaks and troughs all the way through. Now, I am going to mention these sex scenes because I think there's two, possibly three, that are the greatest things I have ever seen, um, maybe prior to watching Spider-Man. But <laughs> the, <laughs> this, the, the literally, well, this is how I viewed it, right? They the come to the sex scene, and what they did was they still pictures, like photographs, of the scene. So they'd show you a picture of five seconds and they'd show you the next for five seconds. And there would be like 10 of these or whatever. Mm. And as I'm watching, I'm thinking, some are, some are odd about this. What This is odd. And they're like, bear in mind, some of these are like threesomes and foursomes as well. So it's like, this is so much odd about this. And then I realised they're not still photos. The actors are just standing still in a certain pose. 
with a camera on them for about five seconds. So you can just see them trembling slightly. And then like, well, one of them will have their face and the other one's ass. And they're just moving slightly because they're just trying to stay still. And it's like, this is the most weird thing ever, but really, really encapsulated. I would really love to know now who directed it and what they went on to direct after, because I bet that'd be quite interesting. Because sometimes that feels like people make stuff like that early on. And it's that that kind of show that they've got real potential and they go on to do like other good stuff. So I need to look up who directed it. Yeah. I mean, I'm like I say, I try to be a little bit careful because again, I know we're talking about stuff from the early 90s, so I'm not trying to go too heavy with spoilers, but it's like the, the kids you never know where it's gonna go. I think that's a big thing. So I'm trying not to go too much in, but like one of the characters, I think it's Rover Phoenix's character, I forget his name, and I struggle to say the word, but he's got narcolepsy. Uh, yeah, we falls yeah. asleep. Yeah, that plays a massive part in in the the film, and it just keep, you forget about it, and then it comes back. Yeah. And there's there's a wonderful moment, and it, and it only happens when he's stressed. And they've, they've stolen a car, and they pulled up beside the road. And a police car comes, and and he starts sprinting. And Keanu Reeves' character again, I forget the names, but he's just sat there waiting for the copper. And a copper goes, where's he going? He goes, oh, you'll stop in a minute. And then you just see him asleep in field because uh. he's got stressed while he's running and falling asleep. So there's, there's some wonderful comedy moments in there. It's a really kind of touching film. It goes in place you don't expect it to go. I do think it's one you need to sit and watch. Yeah. Um, I think that, like you said, if, you, if you're distracted at all, you're going to, you'll you'll move away for 10 seconds, come back and you'll be completely lost. The one thing that I did get from the short bit that I watched was... Because I think Idaho would that be classed as kind of like that Middle America kind of I think window? So, yeah. so I think the other thing that they were trying to pull out of that was Middle America seen as quite boring, but I think it was trying to say there's that seedy sort of side even to Middle America, which would be seen as a bit more prim and proper. That was the other thing I got. But I will go back to it and um, and give it another go, if only for the sex scenes. I mean. I'm fairly confident we see Keanu's uh, package a couple of times. Your oh. eyes, when I was saying that, then brilliant. Um, not in it's all, not in all its glory. You know, it's kind of tucked away, um, not between his legs like where they do that weird <laughs> thing, but uh, just not grotesque. Let's put it that way. Not obvious, but no, I found it. It was just I didn't expect it to go that way, and partly because I know we were all a lot. <laughs> Not we, that's the wrong term. Mm. I know society was a lot more homophobic uh, 20, 30 yeah. years ago. So I was surprised that the film kind of was that that uh, almost nonchalant about it, you know, mm. like, like it should be. But I was surprised it, it, it was, and it was quite a pleasant surprise in a way. And there's just some wonderful dialogue in there as well. It's, uh, again, the, the Keanu and, and River Phoenix characters were talking and, and kind of Keanu saying that um, I could never fall in love with a man. I only fuck them for money. And River Phoenix is clearly cracking on to going, oh, I, I could. I stroke in his fight. Oh. like, well, let's cuddle. <laughs> I'm like... Oh. It's, just, it's like a broke back mountain before it's time. That was what was going through my brain. Um, but it, it's not like anyone's trying to suppress the fact that they yeah. might be that way inclined. There's no, no subtlety <laughs> in the film in that sense. Okay. Right. I'll go back to it. I could genuinely do an hour talking about this film. It, I, I adored it. The reason it's got an eight is because it had those those lulls almost like uh-huh. where either it was starting to get a bit dull or it was starting to get too confusing. 
and then it pulled me back. It's like it was just going a little bit too far in them places. Hmm. Uh, and I, like I said, I'm still not 100% sure of everything that happened in it. Um, but I, I keep, the more I think about that film, I want to go back and bump it up to a nine or a 10. But I just, and I, when I looked at some of the reviews on it, it does seem to be really mixed hmm. in that you've got some people that just didn't get it, hated it whatever and others that adored it there doesn't seem to be a lot of middle ground it seems to mm. be like scores of one and two or scores of eight and nine okay. so yeah um but you know i just i found it interesting that because i i didn't watch these in order of dates i just mm. watched them as and when and putting these three together from it's not in that one i found it interesting that they all got eight out of tens yeah very interesting but something else happened in 1991 for keanu reeves he uh formed a rock band called Dogstar. <gasps> yes. I thought this happened later, but My, that's exciting. Yes. Uh, and I'd never heard of Dogstar. I didn't know he'd formed a band, so I had to go back and listen to them. It's not bad. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was, I was allowing you opportunity to respond. Clearly, there's not a lot of I just, I just remembered it happened. I, um it wouldn't have been a band that I would have been particularly interested in at the time, but I'm happy for him for having it. Well, when I was looking at the years, I think this is, I didn't know this until later, but it's like you had those three films in 91. In 93, there was three films, but in 92, there was only one film. Uh, I think right. he cameoed in a couple, but he was only in one, one proper film, which maybe ties in because he had a band that he just formed at the time. Yeah. So in 1992, he was in the film Dracula. Hey. And this is one of your favourites, isn't it? I do really love this film. So when I was at university, I you would have absolutely loved this module, actually, I think. So I did this module, which was um, films of the fantastic, but also that linked to pieces of literature. And this is how I've discovered I love Blade Runner, because we did um, the film was Blade Runner, but it was linked to the book Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? So you'd study the book and then you would see where the themes appeared in the film. And we did Dracula. And uh, so this is how I kind of came to learn properly about that film. But I'd, I had seen the film when I was still at school. And it's just brilliant because it's so bad. But it's Francis Ford Coppola, <laughs> which blows my mind. It's the director that did The Godfather, yet he still made this film. And some people, they absolutely they absolutely love this film. Now, this is an interesting example where he's surrounded by a very talented cast, but he stands out in this one for not being very good because I think the ask of Keanu to do an English accent was a little bit too much for his head. And I think he had to concentrate so much on the accent that the, the acting goes out the window completely. And I think when Dracula was in the original lists, there is a very good bit where he kind of goes, I love you, meaner, like that. And he literally says it like that. He says it that robotic because you can tell he's like, I need to sound English right now, like that. Uh, bless him bless him but he's there and he's trying but yeah gary oldman as dracula is fucking phenomenal and is a reason on its own to watch that film i have a slightly different theory as to why Keanu's not so great in this film which goes back to what i said earlier about him improving as the film goes along oh he's not in it that much he misses the middle third of the film <laughs> 
so he doesn't have a chance to build up his, his repertoire. Uh, yes, there's that. Or he was in more of the film and the scenes were cut. Yes. We don't know. There is some possibility. But I did, I did have a quick read up on this. And it, uh, I don't know if it was a director or the producer or you know someone in charge was saying that they felt like kind of what you were saying, he was trying too hard with the accent. Um, so whether that distracted him or what, I don't know. But uh, I this was the first time I'd watched this film because um, as I've mentioned previously, I often find vampire films a bit too camp for me, um, which I, I have <laughs> no idea. With it. Yeah, I have no idea why you're laughing at them. <laughs> but, but yes, this did not help with it. Yeah, no, that's why I was laughing because if you, I've always found a bit of like, well, this was not the film to make that right. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I fully appreciate that. I've just been singing the praises of my own private Idaho, which is like the campus film I've ever seen. But this this was, I don't know, you know, I enjoyed it. It was definitely a good film. There were some good performances in it. It went in some interesting directions. I'm just not the biggest um, uh, vampire. I forget what they were called then, vampire film. I think the thing for me is, and this is, I won't go too much on this because it's skirting away from... Um, Keanu a little bit it's they mess about a little bit with the it's like and again I'm always borrowing from Eddie Izzard it feels but Eddie Izzard has a bit about this he's like oh, yes I'm a daytime vampire I can go out and he can go out if he wears the sexy glasses and things like this is like a loophole about how he can come to be outside in the daytime and you're like well, I don't think that was in the book yeah I mean like I say it was good I enjoyed it it just it wasn't massively my cup of tea. I think that, I don't know. I don't know. I think I'll watch it again at some point. Because I think the other thing when I'm watching these films, I've gone back and watched that many because I realised how many Keanu films I haven't seen. Um, I think I found myself watching Keanu more than the film. Yeah. Sometimes. So I think there were, like, I mentioned my own private Idaho, that massively just drew me into the film. You know, mm. I wasn't watching Keanu's performance. I was watching the film. And having said that, I thought he was superb in it. But but this, I was taken in by by his, uh, you won't see this if you're listening, but I do air quotes, performance. Um, <laughs> but no, I enjoyed it. It was, it was okay. Decent film. Yeah. Cool. And that was 1992. So we then move on to 1993. So uh, I will just say as well, I gave that a 7 out of 10. Uh, wow, film. I think that's generous. That's generous. I enjoyed the film. It just, I don't know, a little bit surreal. What would you vampires. score Keanu? Oh, that's an interesting question. And I don't know. I think it's a 3 at best. I don't know. I'm, I'm always loath to be too critical of acting. Uh, actors act, acting because I don't know how much of it intended that way, how much it is poor direction, how much of it is poor acting, and also um, I couldn't do it. But yeah, it was pretty shit, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe bless a free. him. But bless him. Um, so yeah, so we move on to 1993, and Keanu Reeves released three films in 1993: Much Ado About Nothing, Even Cowgirls Get the Blues, and Little Buddha. Which of these films have you seen? I have seen Much Ado About Nothing. Okay, that is one more than I have seen. Uh, I think in even Cowgirls Get the Blues, I think that was more of a, a supporting role where it kind of dipped in and out of it. It wasn't a Keanu Reeves film as such. Uh, but I haven't seen any of these films, so talk to me about Little Buddha. I can't, because I've only seen Much Ado About Nothing. Talk to me about Much Ado About <laughs> Nothing. That definitely won't get edited. <laughs> um, 
yeah, uh, well, obviously, based on the Shakespeare play, it's my favourite Shakespeare play. So um, that's why I really want to see it. I really um, like don't want really to know all my scholarly ways, but uh, we studied much ado about nothing for A level. So, and I just absolutely love the text. If I like, I'm the opposite to you. I do, which is weird because you went to performing arts school and I did it. But I'm like, I could be an actor with the right guidance. <laughs> And if I could play any role in any Shakespeare play, it would be Beatrice um, from Much Do About Nothing. But that is that is by the by. So basically, the reason why we love to watch Much Do About Nothing is there is Denzel Washington, Keanu Reeves, Kenneth Branagh, and another guy I forget his name. They're all wearing the most magnificent tight blue trousers that you will ever see. And I'm going to share the picture to the group. I've had it saved for a little while just for this moment. Um, and they ride horses in them. And it's it's lovely. It's 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 really, really lovely. Their thighs look really good <laughs> in the trousers. Um, and again, he's surrounded by, and I'm, like, I've just read it like, Denzel Washington is in this film. You've got Michael Keaton in in a smaller part, um, Ben Elton, um, Emma Thompson um, as Beatrice. You've got Kate Beckinsale, I think. It's a fucking amazing cast. And Keanu doesn't have that many lines and he just about gets away with it. Uh, he's, you know, so he's he's all right in it and he did just want to mention those trousers again. Um and he's still in what I would call um, Bill and Ted mode. He's still got that kind of curtainy look to his hair. Well, not quite curtains, but long. His hair's quite long um, in that as well. Um, but yeah, he's a bit inconsequential in terms of the cast because he doesn't have one of the main, main parts, but not as shocking as when he was in Dracula. Did I mention the trousers? You mentioned the trousers. I think you mentioned them twice. Um <laughs> You mentioned also mentioned about me going to performance art school. I feel I should clarify that slightly. Um, I did go to performance art school. It wasn't through choice. I did my best to avoid doing any performance arts. Uh, I think when I got to year nine, it was that one when we had those choices. I was able to drop uh, performance arts and drama, oh no, dance and drama, and I was able just to do music. Oh. That that was a bit better. So I'm a, I was a keyboard maestro at the time. Ah, oh, nice, nice. Not I'm anymore. Very jealous. Nah. No. Um, cannot play the keyboard anymore. I've got a, a guitar over there that I bought during lockdown that I've never strummed. Good. I've never strummed my guitar. Good. Fucking eight guitars. I will be practicing tonight. <laughs> oh, up so when we return in 2022, I'll be able to do my own intro to the show. And the show from 2022 will be a solo show. I literally put a video up the other week saying how oh, that is an instant swipe left for me if they're holding a guitar, a guitar or a gun. <laughs> I think the, the last video of yours I saw was about dildos. So <laughs> it only shows you the content you want, Terry. <laughs> yeah, it does indeed. Um, it's dildos, dogs, and Tom Holland, apparently. Put all them free together, you've got to eat saucy mix. I know, mine's a right mess now. <laughs> right, so, but that's pretty much much ado about nothing. <laughs> yeah, well done. Well done with that one. 
I still, I mean, we're like 20 episodes into this now, and I still can't get my head around some of the things that amuse you. <laughs> Either way. Uh, so then we move on to 1994, and there was only one film in 1994. Emma, what was that? Was it Speed? It was indeed Speed. Oh, excellent. Um, but before we get into Speed, uh, one thing I think it's worth mentioning, and I think you kind of tiptoed around this slightly earlier, uh, it was during the filming of this, although it wasn't part of the film, but whilst this was being filmed, that, that River Phoenix uh, passed. Oh. Uh, and they had to delay the film a bit because Keanu needed time to time away, essentially. And oh. I don't know this, but I'm hazarding a guess. That's maybe why, again, there was only one film that year from him. Um, and as much as I mentioned earlier on that, it's, it's the Matrix that, you know, really shot him to superstardom. I think this this went far off. This was a, this was one of those blockbusters we speak about, wasn't it? I think this was the one where he made a big choice. He shaved his hair for starters. So that was that was big. That was big news. That was getting rid of that floppy, beautiful floppy hair. But he, and he was like, Keanu's grown up. He's a grown-up now, and he's going to do a grown-up role where he's got to jump on a bus. And then I think what I remember about it is when he did all his own stunts. So he was like this guy that's just like, I'm not going to be the best actor, but I'm going to do all my stunts. God damn it! Yeah, I feel like he's playing the Point Break character in this. Yeah, I mean, look, I know he doesn't have a wide range of, of characters, <laughs> but it's like he's gone back into his his basket and and brought out the Point Break character. And I know we have spoke about this more um, in the the what would it be ninety nine four episode. Uh, but yeah, I love this film. I've, I don't know if I saw it at the cinema, but I saw it very soon after it came out. If I didn't see it at the cinema, and it's just a, a really really good action film. And I think yeah. that Sandra Bullock matched him with it. Yeah. Not, not necessarily in terms of acting, because she's clearly a, a better one, but in terms of stardom, in terms of performance, in terms of role in the show, yes, he may play the cop that comes to rescue, but she's as important to that, and she's as significant to that film and plays as much of that kind of hero role, albeit in a slightly different fashion. She drives the bus. She does indeed drive the bus. <laughs> it would be kaboom, <laughs> like, without her. Exactly. And I... You know, you look like you said. You look compare that to Point Break. You know, maybe mm-hmm. we're just starting at this point to start to see a little bit of that evolution because I think Sandra Bullock played a big part in that. You know, look at the film she's been in, even stuff like Miss Congeniality. It's it's ripping up what what these films used to be and actually making females a star or making them the male equivalent equivalent. Yeah. Um, but no, love this film. It's just I haven't watched it for too long. Yeah, I watched it again too. for this, but prior to that, I'd not watched it for ages. Um, but no, great film. I like the fact as well that she's she's got all the good lines. She's really funny. She's really sort of like sarcastic, and I quite like that about her as well. But um, yeah, I just need to sort of go through this. It's, it is exquisite because what they've kind of what they've done is is it starts off and there's like chaos in a lift. And then, um, then chaos on a bus, and then chaos on a train, and it, and even, and then, and actually, with a little detour to the airport, it's like the action version of planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually, a, a a detour to a boat. <laughs> For speed yeah. two, yeah. but for, fortunately, we don't need to talk about that no. because he. 
and we said this in the previous episode, the film that Keanu Reeves turned out. I definitely think we should go back and rewatch that at some point, though. Yeah, I think that'll be brilliant. Anyway, that, that's 1994 for the Keanu, so we're just about at the halfway point, because as we go into 1995, there were two films, one of which I know is uh, one of your favourite films of all time, Johnny Mnemonic, and also A Walk in the Clouds. So have you seen both of these uh, no, I've seen half of one of them. Which half? The first or the second first, half? First half. You don't start halfway through? No. <laughs> so you've seen the first half of Johnny Mnemonic. Why have you only seen the first half of Johnny Mnemonic? Because it's fucking terrible. Like, and this isn't all on him either. I We will not place all the blame on him. It is one of the worst films I've ever seen. And this was... I put this on on a Friday evening downstairs to kind of properly watch it with a notepad ready to take notes for this. But do you know what was what was the spooky thing about this film? No, go on. Well, if you'd never watched it before, but then you came to watch it now for a podcast and then it flashes set in 2021. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. During an epidemic. Yeah. Yes. Ooh. Is this the worst film that Keanu Reeves has been in in the 90s? I believe so. Of the ones I've seen, yes. But if you've seen A Walk in the Clouds, you might be able to tell me differently because I know that that got absolutely panned. But, um, yeah. it. Um, right, so let me get the observations that really spring to mind that I make, wanted to make sure, right? First of all, there's a bit right at the start where you first, when you first see him, he's in bed and he's clearly just had sex with a woman, and he lays in bed for ages with a, with a what's it called? Um, he's like got the sheets over him. Um, what's that called? It's oh. not. Ah, <laughs> penis. <sighs> no remote control. Like a discretionary thing or. Oh, there's a name for it, and I can't remember what it is, but he's like basically got stuff over him because he's like, hey, I've just had sex, right? And you're like, okay. And he kind of loiters there for ages. And then he like gets a call and he gets up and he's got his pants on. And I'm like, well, why did you need that covering you the whole time? But that I didn't get. So that was the first thing that right. I think I'm gonna have to break these down bit by bit. <laughs> Because so your first stumbling block was he didn't get to see his cock. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't that. That I wasn't worried about seeing that. But they made a big deal about him being covered. Oh, what's the word for it? It's really bugging me. There's a word for it. It's called like decency cover or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I do not know what you're on about, but I am, I'm also going to touch on the fact that when you say he was loitering there, I mean, it was his flat, <laughs> it was where he lived. No, but he was kind of... Well, in his he... own bed with a quilt over him, <laughs> and then when he stood up, he had a pair of pants on. Right. I mean, I will concur with you, the film isn't great. I do concur <laughs> with that, but I'm not quite with you on this bit. Right. <laughs> I think you're reading a little bit too much into this. I just thought it was unnecessary. Um, he could have just been, he could have just laid there in his pants. I mean, it was there was no need. Oh, what? Oh, and it's now really buggy what the things are. So I'm gonna let that I'll let that drop, um, so to speak. Um, they tried really hard as well to have an Arnold Schwarzenegger style line. Did you catch? I wonder if you caught on to this as well. 
I don't so, think so. So one of the first big fight scenes he has, um, and this is about 20 minutes in, where he's gone to deliver the thing in his head. <laughs> um, and he kind of locks himself in the bathroom and that guy comes in and he like absolutely destroys him and he goes, knock next time, baldy, like that, which I was like, oh my God, that's terrible. But anyway, that guy turns up again later and he goes, Baldy, <laughs> I was like, "What? What is this?" Um, yes, and to really make the point, everybody in this film is terrible. There is not one good actor. I think there's someone in Friends. I think the security lady is in Friends. I think she plays that. I think it's the woman who is with Joey and then cheats on Joey with Chandler. She's in the play with Joey. Oh, now you've said it, you might be right. I mean. I must say, to make the claim that no one in the film is any good is quite bold when you've only seen the first half hour. <laughs> I mean, did you, did, you, like... did you see Dolph Lundgren turn up? Oh, no. Uh, I think it was Ice Cube or Ice... Yeah, one of the rappers uh, turned up at the end. I mean, that's um, I mean, it was good. No, not particularly. I mean, they did what they did. And there was a dolphin. It was quite good. <laughs> The dolphin was the best actor <laughs> the well, whole cast. I mean, I'm not being funny, right? You should have stuck it out because it, it does get a bit better. I think if I had stopped after that first hour, I'm looking like one out of ten. I wound up giving the film four out of ten because it did improve. But it was just batshit crazy. And I think the <laughs> problem was it was trying too hard to be crazy. It's yeah. like they're going forward to 2021. So this was when 95, so what's that? 25 years in the future. And it feels like they've gone, let's do all this. We'll have chips in our brain by then. You know, it's like <laughs> 25 years, you know. Well, we have got the plague. But yeah. <laughs> no. um, so I just felt like they were trying too hard. And they could, they, you know, it, it was almost in some ways a similar premise to The Matrix. Mm. You know, when you if you put them films side by side, it's just The Matrix does it well. And then Johnny Mnemonic, I mean, the, the fucking name of the film, Johnny Mnemonic, you know, just in itself, it, it just, the whole thing was just, I think it just tried too hard and it almost felt like Keanu Reeves just gave up on it. Um, yeah. wow. and, but yes, at the end, there was a dolphin and the dolphin is basically saving the world and it's kept in a little cage. And I'm embarrassed to say, because someone will, I, I forgot to check this, but someone will prove me wrong on it. I'm slightly concerned that was a real dolphin stuck in a fucking tank, which then took me out of it because I'm thinking, well, that's not very nice. Um, mm. But either way, I could I could be wrong on that. Um, but nope. it did get a bit better. It did get more fun. I, th- I don't think the first half of the film was fun. And I did think it started to become fun as it went along, which was mm. a redeeming quality. Um, so just so I'm aware, Johnny Mnemonic or Johnny Mnemonic? Because I've been I saying can't even it fucking say Keanu. Don't ask me. I said I've been. I've fallen over every time because when again, like, I have a little chats with people about what we're talking about. I was like Keanu Reeves, and I get going. And Johnny Mnemonic, and they're like, what? <laughs> like mnemonic. New uh, would new would suit it because that would be to do with the brain. I would say mnemonic, but purely because that's probably the only way I can pronounce it. Yeah, there we go. But I don't know if I'd ever watch it again. Um, 
probably not from choice. But like I said, I think the more you watch it, it does get a bit more fun. And when Dolph Lundgren turns up, that is quite fun. I think he plays a character they call it's either like Jesus or God or something like that. And he's just supposed to be this ultimate badass, but then turns out not to be that much of a badass. They kind of get get over him quite quick, but mm. it gets a bit more fun. Ah. Um, then we moved on to a walk in the clouds, and you said you hadn't seen this. I have not seen this, no. I really like this film. It, ah. it, I think it's one of those films that I like and everyone else dislikes. I think it's one of those. I think I looked it up. So is this the one where he's returning from war? Yes. Yeah. The He has like flashbacks to war and those flashbacks are really shit. They're, they're really bad. You, you, you can just tell he's not there. You can tell the effects are bad. They're, they're really shit. But, it, you know, we, we've done an episode on romantic comedies. Uh, so you know my take on on romance and comedy and that side of it, and I like uh, anything that captures me. I like, and what's his face? You say now? American Pie, I will walk. <laughs> Don't tease me like that. It's, it's like now I want to say it, but then if you go, then I've got to talk by myself, and I'm tired tonight. So you know, we'll just leave that one. I nearly said it earlier about someone that was a joke and held back, um, but it's. It's clearly not the best film in the world. The, the premise is is interesting in the sense of it's come back from war and it goes back to meet his wife who they got married like the day before he went to war and they'd been away two years or something. And she opens this box and there's all these letters that he sent to her that she hasn't opened. Because like she opened the first one and she's like, well, I didn't want to read anymore because it's too sad. And there's oh, about nice. yeah, there's about a hundred letters there that are sealed up, and straight away you can tell she's a bit of a bitch. And, Please don't open the envelope. Yeah, and he's got um, like this dreamer going off, and and again I can talk about this a bit more because it's not spoiling anything. There's nothing, you know, crazy about it. But he's got this dream of going off and starting up his own business, but somehow she convinced him to become a chocolate salesman. Uh, and he's going traveling somewhere, and somehow he kind of. Meets this woman, decides to go and pretend to be married to this woman to help her out with her parents, and then they fall in love and go and do oh. do their thing. And I just found it a really nice, heartwarming thing. And it just made me feel a bit, because anything... I think it's not always the feeling of the film. It's where I want something to happen, and I wanted them two to get together. And I think that when I get invested in a film like that, straight away that, that score bumps up, I enjoy it more. And... You know, I nearly went back to American Pie um, But I wanted them to to be together. And I think that's where I felt the, the romance of it. I didn't get it in anywhere else in the film other than sort of, well, to be fair, and I think this is probably where the film did a good job. As soon as they, they meet each other, you get that, I want them to be together. And obviously the film's telling you that or trying to tell you that. But you get it straight away and then it builds up and builds up and builds up. Uh, there's a lot of cheese in there. There's a lot of racial stereotypes in there. Um, but I just, it's a really pleasant film. I, I would i would recommend it to anyone. Having said that, I am going to caveat with the fact that I do have random taste at times. What did it score? Seven. Oh, okay. Only one less than that little trio earlier. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, really nice. I say it's just a, a pleasant film, and it's a film I, I will watch again at some point. Um, it's a sort of film that I would love to watch the commentary over. I love watching commentaries uh, on films, and I would love to watch that one just to hear him talking about it. 
Um, yeah, just a really nice film. And like I said, I would recommend it. Um, so that was 95, and I would even recommend it to you uh, to watch. I would even recommend it to you. And I know that our tastes are often very different. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we move on to 1996. And in 96, there were two films. We had Chain Reaction and... I've wrote down feeling Minnesota, but I seem to think you might have been finding Minnesota. It was one of the two. Yes. Uh, and now I'm annoyed because I meant to watch Chain Reaction and I forgot. Did you see feeling Minnesota? No. I could not find that anywhere. Well, no, that's a lie. I found it on YouTube. But when I started watching it, at first I thought they were doing something really weird, which was like time-lapse in the film. So you'd like... You'd see one bit and then they go back in pass and they jump forward. And I thought, this is really confusing. I thought, first, I thought, this is quite interesting. They're doing this. <laughs> 10 minutes, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Then I realized it was just YouTube cocking up with a video uh. and it's just in the wrong order. I, yeah, I couldn't watch it. Um, but it did actually look quite good. Although when I looked at the reviews, the reviews panned it, but you know, they also panned a walk in the clothes. Yeah. So, uh, chain reaction. I really enjoyed that film. Who's in this with him? I want to say Morgan Freeman. Um, and I can't remember the other names because, you know, I'm not good with this. But I'm pretty sure it was Morgan Freeman that was that was kind of the lead opposite him. What's the premise for the film? The premise is they have found out that they can generate power, like electricity, via water, via some kind of chain reaction within water, which is actually one of the leading conspiracy theories going around, uh, <laughs> that no. you can do that. Um but I'm not going to go down the conspiracy road today because we're so far an hour into the podcast and we're on 1996. So I'm going to bring back from the conspiracy and come back to this. But it is it's some of the scientists have genuinely been working on trying to create power from water, or not just like the um, the running water. Either way, uh, I think that's where the, the, the name chain reaction comes from. But then the powers that be kind of find out that that's happened and then they go and blow up the science lab and kill a few people and of course Keanu's left and then he has to try and he's got the formula I think remember like the, like the scientific formula he's got to try and get it to the right people and they're so delivering and something again not in the same way it's not like um you know not like he's in postman Pat Johnny Mnemonic <laughs> it's <laughs> it's um it's more he's trying to get away from them and working out what to do with it but I suppose the premise in that is the same. Oh, was it a bit far-reaching for him? What's he like in this one? It's pretty good. It, again, he's, he's, I think he goes back to the... Um, oh, crap, what's the first one film? Uh, the Point Break character. I think he falls back to that again. Mm. And it's just a, a really fun 90s action film. You know, in the same way Speed is, in the same way... I know it's not necessarily action, but the same way Point Break is, those sort of films... If you can, if you enjoy those sort of films, then then Chain Reaction is really good. Like that, it's got some decent special effects in. It's got some sort of fun bad guys. There's a couple of twists in there, and I, I genuinely like the premise of it. It's somewhat slightly different. You know, they've they've taken this little bit of a conspiracy. They've gone. Let's let's imagine if this was real. You know, and the conspiracy behind it, I suppose, is that if you could make energy from water, well, then no one would have to pay for energy anymore. So the government doesn't want them mm. to do that because the government wants them to pay for the energy. And I just felt it was a, an interesting take on it. And it's not what I expected at all when I sat and watched it. But if you want to watch uh, an action film that's, again, a bit fun, a bit different, but a kind of stereotypical night's action film, then, then I would say Chain Reaction is good for that. 
Okay, I think I am. I I am really annoyed. I just completely forgotten it was on my list to watch. That makes two of us. Mm. <laughs> what the, being annoyed? No, you've known me long enough. To talk. No, I don't get annoyed. It gives me more time to talk. When we're covering okay. the film that we both watch, I have to sit silent while you do your monologues. And I only I've seen the film. I get to talk about it. Okay. Well, there you go. Rest of the episode's yours. <laughs> well, you say that. Oh, yes, it might be, actually, looking at this. Um, But that was 1996. However, um, 1996 was when he turned down Speed (laughs) 2. Good boy. Uh, And he went on tour with Dogstar again. (laughs) I was trying to read my own writing then, and I thought, what the fuck is that? Turn Dogstan? It's hard with Dogstar. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, I gave Chain Reaction a 7 out of 10. Um, good maybe I was a little bit generous of that one maybe a six I don't know it's out there now so then we move on to 1997 and the two films from there were The Last Time I Committed Suicide and Devil's Advocate have you seen either of those two films <laughs> right uh, one of them I am strongly going to advise that you don't go and see The Last Time I Committed Suicide is genuinely the worst film I have ever <laughs> seen Ever, uh, there was a film I watched this year, and I've forgotten the oh, the Grudge, not the original one. It, I don't know if it was a remake or whatever, but I gave that a one out of ten on Letterbox, and it was just absolute drab, a pile of shite. This is lower than that, but unfortunately, you have to give one star or above, so it got the old one star. <laughs> it's um, I can't, you not just give zero. No, you can't. You have to rank it. Well, it's, it's, it's like, on Letterboxd, it's five stars, so it'll be half a star. Um, but yeah, one out of ten. But if I was, you know, I would give it zero. I would not give this film anything. <laughs> it is absolute shite. The premise of the film, I'm, I'll just kind of bigging up the night, is a little bit of saying, oh, maybe this is where we start to see the 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 the, the, the feminism kick in and the, the female role models, and, and not even female, role models are straight white men. Maybe we're starting to see that, right? The premise of this film is that a woman attempts to commit suicide, she's essentially in a coma, and while she's in a coma, her husband goes out and tries to bang as many underage lasses as he possibly can. Oh, my God, no. Yes, no, no, that's no. the premise oh of the film, right? So even if you can get over the premise of the film... On top of that, it's really, really, really fucking dull. Mm. It's just a lot of talking about shite. None of it seems to make sense to me. And I just found it boring and hateful. It's like there's no reason at all for a film to be made about this. There's no yeah. pleasure in it. There's no enjoyment in it. It's like, you know, I like my horrors. And you could almost say that about some horrors, like torture upon them. But there's always a reason for it. This just feels like someone's gone... What excuse could I give for a man to go and sleep with someone underage? I know, let's get his wife to attempt to kill himself, uh, kill herself. And it's, I can't even remember how it ended. And I did watch it all. I can't remember if she comes around or not. And, but the only saving grace is that Keanu Reeves isn't the husband, he's the husband's friend. So I don't get to see Keanu, although he does, you know, join in with the frolics. Um, (laughs) no, did not like this film at all. Highly recommend people don't watch it. Zero out of ten, uh, genuinely unpleasant, distasteful, genuinely disgusting film. As I wish I'd never watched it. Oh. For so many reasons. Well, will talking about The Devil's Advocate lift your spirits? A little bit. A little bit. It was a fun film. 
Uh, Al Pacino was in this one, and I found out when doing a little bit of reading on it that uh, Keanu Reeves took quite a hefty pay cut so they could actually get Al Pacino to come in, to fund Al Pacino coming in. I am. This is another one of the films I'm going to be a bit careful that I don't spoil. Because, but I do genuinely want to watch this film. I know yeah. you're going to go, we should have bloody watched it for this, Emma. <laughs> but I know that's what you're going to say, but I do genuinely want to watch this film, so I'm in the don't spoiler. Well, no, I think, like, when I talk about Walk in the Clouds, there's not an awful lot to spoiler. I mean, I haven't said whether he gets her in the end or not, but it's like the, the first 90% of the film is just what you would expect from a film. There's nothing surprising there. Whereas this, you... I don't think you can guess where this is going to go. I didn't. Mm. I mean, you, you know, if you had long enough, you'd guess, I suppose, 10,000 guesses in. But it, it goes on a completely different journey, and I'm going to have to be very, very careful about talking, not just for you, but for anyone listening, because I, I generally don't want to spoil this, because it is worth a watch. And at the end, it's got one of the tropes that I genuinely hate in films, but it makes it work. And when it did it, I immediately went, Oh, don't fucking do this. I've enjoyed it up to now. But then it worked. They didn't quite do it as, as bad as others like. So again, I've been careful what I say. I but think I've worked it out. The the basic premise, it starts off with uh, he is a oh crap. He's a, a lawyer, but he's a lawyer for the defendant. Yeah. Um and he initially realizes that. Oh, God, I'm going to say this again. The the bloke that he's defending is accused of, accused of um, essentially attacking a, an underage one of his uh, uh, students is a teacher, I think. Um, and sort of halfway through the trial, he, uh, the Keanu Reeves character realizes that um, he was guilty, and then he's got that decision to make. You know, does he defend him or does he not? And then the film kind of goes on from there, and it's it's really interesting and about. Maybe halfway through the film, it starts taking a turn that I did not expect it to go. And then about 90 cents of the film, it goes, oh, by the way, he is all the fucking craziness. And just throws it to you for the last 10 minutes, which is bonkers, but really good. Uh, and again, if I'm giving a score, that one, that one I gave a t- 7 out of 10 because I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, really good, fun film. Ah. Good. And if you are looking for films to watch you haven't seen, I will put this on there. I'll put Chain Reaction on there and I'll put A Walk in the Clouds on there. Um, very, very different films. I thought you'd seen Point Break. Oh, I thought you were talking to our beloved listeners. You were directing that specifically at me. Okay, yes. yeah, that's fine. I mean, oh, we're going to get onto The Matrix in a minute, but before I come on to that, off this list, I would recommend all of these films. There's a few I haven't seen, obviously. All of them, apart even Johnny Mnemonic, I would recommend people watch because I reckon that if you can watch that in the right frame of mind, potentially pissed or stoned, then <laughs> you would enjoy it um, to a degree. The only one I wouldn't recommend, I'm going to go back to it, is The Last Time I Committed Suicide, which is just mm. an absolute joke of a film. There is no redeeming qualities at all. Okay. 1998, we have nothing. Uh, nothing uh, uh, happened in 1998 again I think there may have been a cameo here or there but it was in no films which brings us to 1999 what happened film wise in 1999 for uh, Keanu Reeves this must be no it was the Matrix <laughs> 
<laughs> that wasn't one of your best, I'm afraid. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> that spoke for about 10 minutes. <laughs> well, I mean, let, let's just flip back on the last few films, shall we? What could you talk about regarding Devil's Advocate the last time I committed something? <laughs> Feeling Minnesota chain reaction or a walk in the clouds. What could we? What input could you have given to that? I was ready to say Al Pacino was in Devil's Advocate. Oh, oh, I'm sorry I took that away from you. <laughs> uh, yes, The Matrix came out. I didn't watch it in 99. Oh, I thought you were going to say you've not watched it. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> I have watched it. I watched it a good five years later. It didn't interest me in 1999. I don't know when I watched it. I, I really can't remember when I watched it for the first time. I know I've watched it quite a few times, but I can't remember being particularly excited about it at the time. But that doesn't mean I didn't see it. I honestly don't recall when I first watched it. Um, for me, this is the best Keanu Reeves film of the 90s. Yeah, I've got a I've got a special place in my heart for speed, um, but in terms of him in it, I think I would agree the Matrix is the best. I've got a special place in my heart for the uh, <laughs> my own personal Idaho. <laughs> um, but I think this is I think this I mentioned before this is the game changer. This is the one that really launched me into the stratosphere. I mean, there's a lot of quality that we've just spoke about there. Um, a couple of not so good ones, but a lot of quality. But I think when we come into this, it's I think that his persona and his acting style and and you know the way he portrays himself just fits perfectly mm-hmm. for this film. It's that it's the character that is is thrown into this bonkers situation, but he's kind of cool enough and calm enough to handle it. Mm-hmm. I think if he was supposed to be playing some kind of crazy character that couldn't handle it, eh, maybe not so much. But I think that the person he is and the actor he is, I think this is potentially his, his perfect role. Yeah, yeah, I'd completely agree. And he um he doesn't he doesn't bugger it up either. He's all right in it. Is that the standard we're judging him by? <laughs> he I doesn't know. bugger it up. I hate I hate myself for saying those I've been quite cruel towards him because like on a side note, he just seems like the most genuine person ever. And so it feels really shitty to have said something, but I've said them now. So I've done it now. What are they going to do? Um, little Larry Spence um, quote there for the TikTok fans. Uh, but yeah. Um, and, but I feel like this like encapsulates. Every, so if you think about those films that you've mainly been talked about, because you actually watch them, Think about take out little pieces from each of them about where he was good. So we kind of go speed, quintessentially an action film, and he's good in that because he's kind of getting to sort of run around and jump on to things and do his own stunts. So he's got that element in the Matrix. The character he plays is quite a flat, emotionless character, which lends itself very nicely to his acting style he's also surrounded by a very good cast that lifts that tends to lift his performance and I'm really sorry Matrix fans I don't know who directed it but I would think it's a pretty good director that's directed the film so it's kind of like everything aligned perfectly for Keanu in the Matrix and deservedly so so yeah I've said some shitty stuff about him but surely this is a good thing that he just keeps showing up show up 
and one day he'll get that film and he did the matrix i i do just want to touch back on something you said there because you said it a few times about when the cast around him is good he ups his game my guess is that's not a conscious thing i can't imagine keanu reeves being like oh i'm not going to bother with this film i'm just going to toss it off i'd imagine that it's just a a subconscious thing where he just naturally steps his game up but that's no that's what i mean i mean it more of a I don't mean it as a competitive thing. I mean that thing of when you're surrounded by talented people, they automatically lift you as a person as well. You don't get that because you have to talk to me. That's why you're looking puzzled. Um. No, I'm I'm not looking puzzled. I'm trying to remember what I was about to say before you interrupted. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Which was going back to the devil's advocate because in that it was – uh, opposite two people who were phenomenal actors, Al Pacino and uh, oh crap, is it Char- Charlene Theron? Or... Charlize, yeah. Yes, uh, that one I'm not going to attempt to pronounce either. And they both turned out really, really good performances. And I forgot to mention this, but I think that Keanu's performance in The Devil's Advocate is his best acting performance throughout uh, the 90s, uh, going off these films we've looked at. I think that he actually shows a range of emotions. And I think that one thing that he does struggle with and I'm again I, I'm loath to critique anyone on their acting but I think one thing that he does struggle with is when he needs to sort of display anger or high emotion I think that that's where a lot of it goes quite cardboard yeah but in the devil's advocate I, I think he actually pulls it off I think he does genuinely pull it off and whether that's because he's opposite Al Pacino or Miss Ferron um I don't know but it was then we come to this film, and again, it's surrounded by the great cast. He's got, oh, so Lawrence Fishburne's there, isn't he? Um, yeah. All the others that I've forgotten. The um, bad guy. Yeah, but he doesn't, I, I genuinely think the character he plays this, like I said, is it's almost him playing himself. I think it's going back to the the the, the point break character again, just that, that, that laid back, down-to-earth character yeah. that can take the bulk of stuff in his stride. And I think that's his, his natural go-to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just, I just like, it's just that thing of if you do something for long enough, you get good at it. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I've just said that, it is, in my opinion, his best performance was uh, the, the last, not last time I quit, so I said, Devil's Advocate, which was 97, and then he had The Matrix, which probably his second best performance out of the 90s, and yeah. they're at the end of the 90s. Yeah. Um, so, again, talking about his films where he starts off crap and gets better, start in the 90s, he starts off crap and gets better. We'll do him in the 2000s. I bet he drops down again for 2000 films and picks it back up again. No, we'll see. But The Matrix is a film, not necessarily Keanu's performance, the film. How do you feel with that? Um, I couldn't care too much about it. Um, I only watched it because I had an an ex-boyfriend who knew it word perfect and it was very important that I watched it so that I would know about it. I don't know what it was with me. I went through like a really weird phase where, like, you know, we we're talking about these quintessential sort of action films. There was a certain period of my life where, like, so I definitely I loved Speed. We know I liked Con Air, and then we're like, there was kind of like Face Off and things like that. And for some reason, all of a sudden, I just went, oh no, this. And I think I just, oh no, I think I became. That's when I that's when I became a knobber um, and just was like, I think I got bought Amelie 
um, or something like that I got bought. Um, that's when I probably started getting into films like Leon that you said sounds like pretentious shite. That's what happened. So I would have been like, hmm, this this hasn't got subtitles. This I'm like so much better than this, so I'm not going to watch it. Ah, lovely. I don't know what that was. <laughs> I'm not sure what that was either. Um, so, I mean, just reading between the lines there, uh, you're not excited about the new Matrix film then? Not at all. Okay. Because as this podcast goes out, <laughs> this will be on the 21st, and the new Matrix film comes out on the 22nd. It does. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing that. You enjoy it. And, and, then, and as you have done well, I with I do. most of most of these films today, you could tell me about it <laughs> when I haven't seen it. The the frustrating thing at the minute is um I spoke before about the conspiracy stuff. It, you're seeing all these knobheads online now that um I shouldn't say it, and I'm if I offend anyone, I'm not overly sorry, but whatever. The anti-vaxxers. You know, the, this is a conspiracy. You're injecting fucking cow semen or whatever into my arm, whatever's going on. Yeah. It's like because the Matrix is coming up, it's all the, the blue pill, red pill stuff. You know, mm. oh, if you go see it once you've had your jab or you've got your COVID passport or whatever it's called, then uh, you've clearly taken the blue pill. Oh, fuck off. Kind of spoiling it for me a little bit, but I am really looking forward to it because I, I was a. a Again, I can't remember when I first saw it, but I think the more I've seen it, the more I've enjoyed The Matrix. It's mm. just, it's it's not a stereotypical action film. And, um, yeah, I just think that it's, I don't even know how I would describe it. I just think it was different at the time. It was very different. And the effects at the time, yeah. I think, were phenomenal. And again, maybe... Because we've spoken a few times about him, I can't remember her name, but him being opposite someone, and uh, the lass who is opposite in this film is phenomenal. She's yeah. as much of a, a hero as he is. Now, yes, potentially you could say she could have taken that leading role, but she's as much of it as he is without being in that leading role. And then you look at Speed, his other great film, is opposite Sandra Bullock, and again, she's as much of the hero. You look at Devil's Advocate, again, opposite... Um, What's her name? Well, I can't say. Charlize Theron. Yeah. Um, she's as much of the hero. Even when you go back to Chain Reaction, and I've completely forgotten her name, but it's an English actor, I'm sure it is, uh, that is up, up against. And she was brilliant in it. She was, um, you know, the old quote, um, Ginger Rogers, that could do everything that what's-his-face Fred Astaire could do, but in heels. It's yeah. like that with with that actor in, uh, in, in Chain Reaction. So all these great films, it's when he's opposite... Uh, uh, and another character that even going back to um, my own personal Idaho is opposite River Phoenix. Mm. That's now all right. They're not a love connection, but they're playing this pairing. Look at Bill and Ted. You know, is opposite someone that's playing well. And I think maybe we've discovered what the trick is with Keanu. You mm. need him in a pairing. You put him in the film by himself. Johnny Mnemonic. He, he's kind of with someone, but he's largely by himself. <sighs> yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think we've discovered how to make Keanu good. That's good. Shall we write to him? I think he's maybe discovered it for himself, hasn't he? He's quite successful now. I get the feeling he'd probably write us quite a nice letter back. Do you think? Yeah. Let's try. Let's each write him a letter and see who he replies to. Well, yeah, because you asked me to, to put a comment on a card today. So I'm getting a feeling <laughs> he, might, he might reply to yours rather than mine. Yeah. Oh, took me by surprise. I'm not going to lie what you said to write in it. <laughs> 
It's like, that's more me. That's more my vibe, surely. But uh, It was the first thing that come to mind. And, and just uh-huh. remember, Will Smith don't got a Custosol records. Yeah, Terry does. There you go. But speaking of, of uh, sending cards out, why were we sending the card out? Why? <laughs> we're sending the card out because we had a, a little fun competition on the Facebook group where um, we wanted to see how best we could promote the podcast or get people to do it for us <laughs> and lure them in with a shiny lobster for their Christmas tree. So, um, yes, so we did that and we got some really great entries like but the one that won uh, people will see this when we start putting out more stuff onto onto the tiktok uh you'll see the artwork that won because someone made us into and actually it links to keanu someone made images of us that look exactly like the film a scanner darkly and i I messaged him to say, I love my Scanner Darkly look that I've got going on. And that's another Keanu film, not from the 90s, but it's, and that's actually, that's a Bobby Dazzler of a film. Is he opposite someone? Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. There we go. See, I've not yeah. seen that. So, yeah, we've definitely oh, solved it. It's, um, it's so good. But yes, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I guess I shouldn't just keep saying someone. So, I think it's your hat trick, Ian. You've had your three mentions now. So, that's it. You'll you'll never be heard of again until you get to record your own episode because you've actually joined our Patreon. Yes, that was going to be his fourth mention um, because <laughs> we have had, uh, we did launch Patreon this month. Um, and we have a two people sign up already, which we are delighted about. We've got the the one and only Robin Bates who has uh, come in, and we have Ian Blakeman who was doing the all this this marvelous what I am calling fan art for us, uh, which is is also brilliant. So a big shout out to them too for being the first two patrons to sign up in December. If you wanted to become a patron, Emma, a patron for us, what sort of benefits would you get? Stop poking yourself in the face with your pen. Um. That's my. That's how I think. What sort of benefits would they get? They <laughs> they get excuse get two, two two episodes a month just for there, and they get video footage so you can see how pained I look right now and me poke, poking myself in an, in the eye with a pen rather than do what I'm doing right now. Uh, so you get to see the video footage of us recording stuff. Um, in particular, uh, the rom-com episode. <laughs> I just need to give a shout out to my co-host. I refuse to call him sidekick. The editing that Terry did on the rom-com <laughs> episode is we should nominate him for an award because that will sound like quite a normal episode, <laughs> which he edited out the hugest argument. You sign up to Patreon, you can... <laughs> You can actually see the argument. Well, you say that I've not put it up yet. I've been well, I've been slightly we've, reluctant. We've got to go up there, people. You know, I would pay. I would pay to see that. It's um, it's something else. Uh, yeah. So they get lots of exclusive content, and hopefully, coming soon, you might get tidbits that are just Terry and uh, me as well. Um, doing my no, own. Just bits. Terry and me. <laughs> um, but yes. Yeah, <laughs> this is why I don't do it. Consider signing up to Patreon. Don't consider, just do it because you do get those bonus shows twice a month at the minute. Uh, we've got Emma's top 10 meat market, 
Uh, it's not just trouser packages, it's the whole person. Um, so yeah, Emma's top 10 was in there and we are releasing, we're currently covering the series of Friends. So season one will be in there very, very soon. Um, and then we'll be covering that monthly going forward. So there'll be two bonus shows. There'll be more than that coming in, but at least two. And you will also get your own exclusive episode where you can come on and join us and give us your top 10. And it can be a top 10 of anything that you desire. And then, uh, however... What I am going to suggest is that you don't watch Emma's reaction on the, uh, the rom-com episode if you are considering putting your own top 10 forward about something. But that is Patreon, and you'll get loads of little bonuses from us as well. You get loads of little messages and so on and so forth. But if you don't want to subscribe to Patreon and you just want to continue listening to this, then you are more than welcome because this is the bread and butter and this will continue to go out almost every week. Um, we are planning a slight mid-season break soon, but uh, almost every week. And if you did want to get this into your feed every week, what would they have to do, Emma? Subscribe. Well done. There was no pause there. Anything just like came straight in with it. Yeah. Like you're on fire now. Uh, yeah. So um, final thoughts on Keanu Reeves. Just before you do we wrap up, any final thoughts on him from the 90s? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and if you... I would ridiculously ridiculously su- suggest that you subscribe to patreon just to see that in fact you don't need to subscribe this is going out as an actual video um just to see the reaction of emma then when i mentioned <laughs> final wrap up and she suddenly realized i haven't wrote a single fucking thing down making a note <laughs> two hours 23 minutes into the recording and now people know how long we've been talking for but two hours 23 minutes into the recording this is when i need to come back and make a clip oh dear um, my final thoughts i'm gonna be <laughs> trying to take this as long as possible now um i think it was kind of what i was expecting wooden hammy but beautiful. And that's just me. <laughs> I can add nothing to that. We'll leave it as wooden, hammy and beautiful. And that's just you. Would you like to? No, I'm not going to ask if you'd like to. Wrap up the show, Emma. Take it away as you furiously scribble some notes down. <laughs> right. So that was the week that was Keanu Reeves, where we started off with Bill and Ted having a bogus journey, but they stopped by Idaho for their own private show there um, and also took a little ride on the waves in Point Break. Um, I said they, he did. Um, it would be lovely if Bill accompanied him on all of his films, but he just didn't. Um, then as we went through, he battled Dracula. He battled um, ex-policemen who were trying to blow up buses. And he also put things in his head and tried to deliver them and um, fought bald um, people. Then he sort of cruised back from the war with a walk in the clouds. Did he find true love with that lady that he met along the way? I don't know because I didn't watch half of the films this week. Um, And then he kind of spiced things up by being devil's advocate in his law saga before finding his perfect role in the Matrix. This was Keanu. The the, the jump from 95 (laughs) to the Matrix is brilliant. And oh, it was a devil's advocate, and he was in the Matrix. 
doing Keanu Reeves that I just right yeah <sighs> I amused mean, myself by doing an impression of a horse before I started <laughs> 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 <laughs>